Hello and welcome to Now Here's a Thing, the latest laid-back podcast crafted by me, Tracy Jones, and me, Heather Noble. <laughs> go on then, you go. You go first. I go first. You'll never guess what I'm going to be talking about. Go on then. <laughs> now here's the thing. Oh dear, should I be worried? <laughs> I was at an event this morning. I was wondering what to talk about this week. And you know how you think something will appear. And it did. Uh, but it wasn't what I was expecting. Okay, I'm intrigued. Okay, so here's the thing. I... Sp- uh, 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 right. <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm absolutely... So right, if I told you that I spent this morning at a business networking event where the keynote speaker started off by showing us a picture of a horse, male horse, hmm. mounting a horse that wasn't a real horse. Okay. In order that they can capture its semen. Okay. And then freeze it. What sort of networking meeting were you at then? <laughs> with business. Okay. Business, business. It, it, was, it was absolutely fascinating, but it certainly wasn't what I was expecting the talk to be about. Okay. okay. We're having breakfast. I don't eat breakfast at these events. Um, luckily, most people had finished eating their breakfast by the time the talk took place. So, yeah, it was a, it was a lot of talk about semen. Okay. Okay. Um, of, of various animals, but predominantly animals that are in, at risk of becoming extinct. So the guy who spoke, um, it comes from farming stock, and they used to have cows and they used to make cheese and... And then the foot and mouth came along, la, 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 la. So they started doing um, stud, artificial insemination for stud horses. Okay, great. That's absolutely fine. But as a spin-off of that, they then started to think about um, animals that are at risk of extinction. And it gave us some really interesting stats. So 17% of species have declined since 1970. One third of species face extinction by 2050. Wow. And it, it was absolutely fantastic. He was talking about, um, well, he, he showed a video of where he had gone to Africa and what they had been doing. So the African elephants, what they do is they... Um, sedate them they find them well the females as well but they so in this particular video so he found a male they they sent a dart to sedate it followed it around in a helicopter for about 20 minutes while the sedative worked so they were herding this elephant trying to stop it going in water because if it went into the water it would drown so there's this little like two-man helicopter and they're steering this elephant elephant goes over or kind of sits down then there's a ground crew. They tilt the elephant over, and at the point at oh which, my god, my mind is starting to boggle now. I know. At the point at which the elephant is knocked out, his penis comes out, 
So somebody has to grab his penis and hold on to it, right? And then they capture... You watched this on video this morning. Yeah. It was absolutely fascinating because what he was saying is... Can I just ask? Yeah. Can one person hold an elephant's penis or does it need a team of people? It needs a team of people to... um, Well, it doesn't need a team of people to hold the penis. What this man... That was his job. But then there are people who are um, capturing DNA from the semen of the elephant. So do they have to pleasure the elephant? Oh, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't get to that bit. Okay. But, <laughs> but somehow they got semen from this elephant's yes, penis. Yes, And And so basically what they're doing, it, it's all just... It's blown my mind today. You don't say. <laughs> um, but what he was talking about, so he, so basically, so it was a stud farm. They started cry, cryogenically freezing semen, and then they transport it all around the world. So he was talking about there was... Um, and this elephant wakes up from its little doze and thinks, what? What yeah. went on there? What did I miss? <laughs> yeah, what did I miss? So, But what he's done is he started a thing called, uh, um, an organisation called Nature's Safe. Basically, it's going to be... Oh, like a seed bank. Yeah, like... So we mentioned the seed bank at Kew, the Millennium Seed Bank, which is an amazing thing anyway. And he said, well, if we're going to do it for vegetation, for flora and fauna, why would we not do it for animals? And if we could do it for animals, and if we had enough samples from a species that's at risk of becoming extinct, which needs to be more than 50 apparently, because otherwise um, it's too small a gene pool. So they okay. won't a bit like, you know, you can't have kids with your cousin and stuff like that. Or maybe you can with your cousin. I, anyway, don't matter. Second cousin, I think you can. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't researched it. I'm not interested in my cousin family. or anything. <laughs> don't ask the royal family. Yeah, so 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 they're, keep, they're, they're storing this stuff. And he, so he, they work with Chester Zoo. They work with um, a couple of universities. It's it's scientific. It's obviously it's not just like rubbish, um, and they've managed. Um, so what did they? He, he showed us a picture of a horse, a foal that had been born, um, because what they'd been able to do was capture the DNA of this rare horse, and not only breed one of those horses, but select whether it's a female or a male foal because they need a certain number of each because obviously you don't want all males or all females it was absolutely fascinating to the point that he was then talking about how when they look at dna they get a code and what did he say we've got uh 30 where is it my notes are terrible because i was li- we've got 3 billion dna pairs in our bodies and he said that we'll get to a point where they will be able to digitally print dna based on the code no way yep yep he says there's a big study going on at Nottingham trent university and also with ovaries they can capture an ovary, they can slice the ovary and then use the DNA from that ovary to grow ovaries. It's, well, you've blown my mind I as know. well there. It's absolutely phenomenal. So can you 
can you see why I was so excited to talk about I, I it? I can also see why you looked a little bit cheeky. Yeah. I did not expect you to talk about manhandling, literally, an elephant's, an elephant's penis. penis. And, and all these people who were manhandling this rare breed of horse, um, there was a massive penis, basically. <laughs> and, and pretty much everybody in the room, male or female, went, Ooh. Ooh. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and, and, of course, there were... There were so many, like the first thing he started talking about, they couldn't do it with camels. They tried to do it with camels, but they couldn't do it with camels because they suspend the DNA in some fluid to store it. And the DNA of the camel didn't didn't, didn't like, like that, that fluid. So they've had to rethink. So my first question was, you know, was going to be, he'd answered that at the end. So he mentioned, oh, and it didn't work with the camel. Okay. So I was like, right, well, that's my question. Why didn't it work with the camel? And then we have the rest of the presentation. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Now I've got a million questions. And the one about it not working with the camel is almost by the by. Because, of course, the big question is, OK, so how long till we start doing this sort of te- using this sort of technology with humans? It takes IVF or, you know, selecting the sex of your baby to a whole nother level. But anyway, so the website is natures-safe.com. The Living Biobank, it's animal cell and tissue preservation for future regeneration. And they say that some of them, so that so these two right there are two rhinos that are the last rhinos of this particular type of rhino. Um, and they're both female. Um, but even if one was male and one was female, it wouldn't be enough because it they would be related if it was mother it's mother and daughter so yeah. if it was mother and son or fo- well this is where the story of adam and eve doesn't work for me but there we go well exactly but but what go he, back to first principles yes <laughs> totally but what he said is that they have still captured that dna and frozen it because in time there may be a way to science out that issue in terms of them being female dna you might be able to change the dna so that it's okay so now i don't know i am impressed but i'm also a little bit scared yeah no 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 but he's doing it freaky science it is freaky science shit but it is coming from a force for good he was talking about the chicken tree frog which is extinct there's a black-footed something Mole, no, stoat or something. They've bred from that. Chester Zoo have got something that's been bred from something all to do with this. So it's a force for good. It is, but it's quite controversial, I think. But no more controversial than IVF was. Uh, Dolly the sheep was, oh, so they can clone, that was it. So Dolly the sheep was cloned in 1996. Well, goodness me, this has moved on masses and it may surprise you to know just one final point that it only costs they're looking for funding obviously and sponsors and stuff like that it only costs a hundred pounds to freeze a sample and it it can cost as little as five thousand pounds to save a species mind blown yeah okay so my thing i'm I'm not sure i should mention it now really it's a still scientific go on now, here's the thing. I was wondering why 
you make old people noises as you get older when you stand up or Who, when you do something. Or just one, in one in well, yeah, me. Yeah, okay. I've heard you do it. Yeah, yeah, I do yeah, it too. Yeah. So um, why do we do that? So a quick search, and I came across an article in melmagazine.com uh, referring to their grandmother, which oh gosh, <laughs> a young person here asking, and uh, a little bit of research into it. So um, one um, scientist said that as you age, you may need a little bit of extra energy to get up from a chair or roll out of bed. Yes. And grunting may help to give you that additional kick to accomplish the task. The loss of muscle strength and accompanying lubricating fluids inside your joints. And older people also (laughs) have poor balance. And so grunting can provide some trunk stability as well. Really? Yeah. So if you think about the tennis players, that was referred to in this article, then they grunt and that gives them a little bit of extra energy. So if you imagine that um, you getting up out of the chair is just like Serena Williams playing tennis. Barely any difference. Yeah, no difference whatsoever. There is also the Valsalva manoeuvre referred to here, uh, where we can compulsively close the vocal folds of our larynx to seal off our respiratory tract, which results in a grunt and normalises the pressure in our inner ears, providing a slightly enhanced degree of trunk stability. There's a scientific explanation for you. Yeah. So So by making the grunt, you're closing off your vocal folds. Yeah. And then that causes a change in the pressure in your inner ear and gives you a bit more stability because, as we all know, us old folk, a little bit wobbly on our pins. Yeah. (laughs) So are they saying that a tennis player consciously makes that noise? I think that's one of the others. Yeah, so the tennis players, it's... um, it's usually to give them that little bit of oomph. Behind. Are they doing it, or is it the exertion of the oomph that makes them grunt? I think it might be one of those. But you know, it's yeah, interesting. I'm not sure because I was looking at old people, not tennis players. Yeah, but you're the one who drew the comparison between me yeah. and Serena Williams getting okay. out of a chair. Yeah, don't, I don't hold on to that too much. <laughs> The other one is it may reflect some discomfort. So that grunt might be discomfort. Yeah. I, I feel feel that. Yeah. yeah. Particularly in our joints or backs where pain triggers a grunt as a response. So it could be that um, the grunting actually just as a response to a pain, a grunting when performing a task. Also, it could just be, and this is a good bit of science, We've just evolved like that. (laughs) We've we've just learned to do it. I was just reading another article. It says something about it. It could just be a habit. Yeah, because I I think there's a bit of that because I think I am able to get out of a chair without grunting in polite company. Yeah. But at home, I will grunt and go, I'm the thousand-year-old woman. And I wonder whether I – am I just being myself at home? Or am I? Yeah, because it's not likely that you're going to need any more energy, or you know, or, or feel any more discomfort at home than you are in public. But right. you control it better. You rein it in, yeah. yeah. There is a more detailed, very detailed article in HuffPost. If you go and have a look at that, um, just 
Google HuffPost grunting sit-stand bend. Okay. <laughs> but Make I've... sure you use all of those words. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've got to refer you to an article in The New Scientist, this one. I laughed out loud and I was at work. Okay. <laughs> and I didn't want to explain to anybody why I laughed out loud when I read this one. So there's a question and answer section on the New Scientist website. So the first one was the question that I was thinking, when exerting yourself physically, um, you know, wh why are you making that noise? And it, and they, the answer to that one from the scientist was, it helps to brace and stabilise the body. There's also an emotional release. So the sound is a huff that shrugs off some of the mental distress from the pain enabling you to continue so you're huffing off the stress but there was this follow-up question that, that made me laugh so barry quilliam from mobberley in cheshire asks i'm 85 years old and don't groan when i stand up but i tend to fart is this caused <laughs> by something similar <laughs> is that do you think that's a joke or a genuine question? I really don't know, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't fart, but I could easily have farted when I read that one because I, I guffawed actually. So yeah, that, see, that was my thing. It's uh, well, just as sciencey as your yeah, I think elephant semen. Got all, yeah. Well, you were talking about um, a lack of bodily fluids to do with the grunting and groaning. I mean, lack, this... lack of lubrication and, yeah, yeah. and a little bit of extra energy. There you go. There you go. Yeah, and we didn't plan that, did we? No. And I certainly, I didn't think yesterday, I, as I said yesterday, wasn't entirely sure what I was going to be talking about. And then this morning, it's like, well, that's the subject of the day. Apart from that, here's the thing that happened today to me. If this wasn't enough, there was there was an expo as part of this breakfast business networking thing. <laughs> okay. Right? And expo, meaning exposure. Not, not expose. No, no, no. An exhibition. Okay. And um, I had a little walk around the exhibition, then I needed to leave because I was, um, I'd got a client meeting. And so I was just talking to somebody by our car. So we'd got to our cars and we were just having a chat. And this guy was walking towards us and... Uh, and as I always do, I say hello. And he says hello. He said, I, uh, he said I, I thought I'd try and get you before you left. And I was thinking, here we go. was really interested in what I said in my 60 seconds. So this is going to be it's a big business, order. Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, how can I help? And he said, well, it has been over 30 years, Heather. And it was a guy I used to work with wow. 32 years ago. I haven't seen him for 32 years. Wow. And he was in that room and he recognised me. And you didn't recognise him? No, because he doesn't look like he used to. He's a, he's a man. Oh, I mean, I don't look like I used to look. But, yeah. He's but a... you were memorable. I was memorable, yeah. For all the right reasons. For all the right reasons. Yeah. But imagine that, not seeing somebody for 32 years. And then them... it was his eyes that I recognised, because the rest of him, he put on a bit of weight. He's a bit shorter than I remembered. <laughs> he's got not as much hair and he's got a beard. So the only bit of him that you recognised were his, his eyeballs. When he just looked at me, yeah. And he called me Heather. So it was like, okay, so you obviously... You know me then. Yeah. So it was quite a morning for me. I'm... What a morning. Yeah. Here's another thing. Go on. Um, this is also related to age, but as I was uh, 
browsing the, the web looking for why, why do I grunt when I stand up sort of uh, explanations. An article on positive news led me to a book on Amazon, which led me to a website, which led me to a podcast. Oh, gosh, rabbit hole. Yeah. A lady called Sharon... Nothing to do with this. No, this no, no. Nature's... Really, no. 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 <laughs> no. no. I've drawn a line <laughs> under that now. I can't get that out of my head, but at least I don't have the visuals like you. I'm just, I'm just making it up in my head. Anyway. Anyway, carry enough. on, please. Yes. A lady called Sharon Blackie. She's a writer, a psychologist, and a mythologist. Oh. And she's coined the phrase that is also the name of one of her books called Hagitude. 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 Okay. Hags with attitude. Is that us? Are we moving towards that? I'm afraid that? We, yeah. we are moving it, moving towards Have we moved towards it? I think it? we're already there, yeah. Um, so I did a little bit of reading. She's got a website um, specifically for Hagitude. She has written other books as well, which I, I, I've added all of them to my Amazon wish list. But this one is a relatively recent publication, and the website is org. And a, a quick write-up, Someday Your Witch Will Come. Ooh. Reimagining the Second Half of Life. Oh. And it says here that in the oldest known cosmology of my native lands, it wasn't a sky-bound old man with a beard who made and shaped the world. It was an old woman. A giant old woman who has been with us down all the long ages since the beginning of time. Now there's a paragraph that hooks me in. So she she said she woke up one night with the word haggitude and shouted it out into into the darkness. It was just her that. And her partner went, what? And she knew she was going to write the next book about um, older women. And she, I, I was reading a number of different things about it, but she was saying that, that in Western culture, we don't really have a sense of elders, mm, elders. Yeah. We have a, a word called the elderly, yes. which suggests weakness and frailty. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, if you're talking about an elderly woman. Then why an elder is wise, yeah, yeah as opposed to. An elder Pastor. woman or a woman elder. Yeah. It's a different uh, it's a different kettle of fish. So um, she's talking to women who've reclaimed their inner hag. And that sort of appealed <laughs> to me. Because we were talking when, when we were doing um, rebranding big business briefs. We were talking about this reclaiming some of the words like crone. Well, yeah. I hadn't thought of hag. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the crone being a wise woman. But it's been used as like a wicked witch yeah. in, in modern literature, hasn't it? So um, she's got this book, um, Haggitude. It's on Amazon. And if anybody wants to buy it me for birthday or Christmas, it is on my wish list. But she's also got a podcast, Haggitude Sessions. And she talks to a few interesting people, including a lady who's work I'm familiar with, Alexandra Pope. Um, she's co-founder of the Red School. I don't know. I've okay. forgotten what it was then. Okay. Uh, and she's also got a group where she's a program that starts this October, where it's a 12 month program coaching ladies to move into the second phases, reinvent themselves in the second half of their life. And it looks really, really interesting. And I'm going to dig deeper into it. 
and see if it's for me. So mm -hmm. there's monthly catch-ups, there's, um, there's exercises to do and creative visioning and things like that. You know, wow. the sort of thing that appeals to me. Wow. You should have saved that for Halloween. Hackitude. <laughs> <laughs> that is the wrong connotation, isn't it? So, yeah, I just wanted to share it. And, and, and every time I read something, I'm just looking now on my phone, all the sentences that I'm catching, obviously des designed to draw you in. Aren't yeah, they? yeah. Um, a good writer will do that. So menopause is a time between stories when the old story fades and the new story is waiting to emerge. The ultimate revelation of who we truly are and we're always meant to be. This is a brilliant word coming up. It's a liminal time. I only heard the word liminal about 12 months ago. And since then, I, I, I hear it every other day. Liminal. So we have subliminal as a word. Yeah. So what's the definition of liminal? Oh, now you're asking, aren't you? The definition of liminal. Let's look that one up. I understand it to be the the place on the boundary, um, on the edge, on the threshold. Okay. And, and I've just Googled it. And yes, occupying a position on both sides of the boundary or threshold. So it's straddling okay. the threshold. It's a transitional or initial stage of a process. That's essentially how she's describing uh, the menopause, which ultimately leads to elderhood. So I think I'm going to read that because I'm sort of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might as well find out about it. Yeah, and embrace it yeah. rather than... yeah. Rather than be scared of it. Yeah. yeah, oh, on the other side of it, therefore, it's all downhill from there. Yeah, so rather than chasing youth, it's yeah. pointless. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to catch up with it. it. It's actually embracing this move into a, another phase of life. I could shoot. That we, we've had had some things today, haven't we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and still, it's stuck in my mind. <laughs> Isn't the elephant penis? <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. Now Here's the Thing is a Jones and Noble production brought to you every week. Well, maybe not every week ever. <laughs> Recorded with an iPhone, a microphone and lots of hot air. <laughs>